I've got a few announcements for you before we begin. Uh, we have our Seder meal on Thursday and Friday this week, and as uh, I've shared multiple times, we don't have any more seats available. So if you are, if you have a ticket to come and you're not going to be able to go, please let us know. We got a wait list of about 10, 15 people that would love to be a part. And so let us know if you're not able to come so that we can give that to somebody um, who would like to be there. We also have our Annie Armstrong uh Resurrection Sunday offering that's going on between now and next week. All the offering for Annie Armstrong goes to the North American Mission Board. 100% of it goes to our missionaries that are all throughout the United States. Next week is Resurrection Sunday, and we will have two worship hours, 8 o'clock and 10.30. There will be no life groups on Sunday. Love for you to be a part, 8 and 10.30. And then we have our senior adult luncheon coming up on April 21st. At 11 a.m. at the Connie Hudson Senior Center, you can sign up at the events table out in the lobby. And uh, also wanted to share with you, this Wednesday night, we'll have a special time of of worship uh, with our choir and Brother Aaron leading as we sing and and just think about the cross and what uh, all took place on this, what we call Holy Week. If you're here this morning and you did not pick up... uh, the elements for communion. We're going to be taking communion at the end of our time this morning. These are at the back on the table in the lobby. In the first song as we sing today, if you did not pick up one of these, we'd love for you to step out and and, and to grab one so that you'll have this and that we'll be ready at the end of our worship time today as we take of communion together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Father, we praise your holy name. You are a good, good Father. And Father, we're overwhelmed that we can come into this place together today. And because the veil was torn from top to bottom by the blood of Jesus, we have the ability, the the confidence to come before your throne. So Father, right now we come before your throne in prayer. And Father, as we sing, we lift up incense of praise to you. You have continued to place on my heart, Lord, Psalm 24, who can ascend the hill of the Lord, but he who has clean hands and a pure heart. He does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Father, I pray right now that if there's anything in our life that is hindering us from offering praise to you, from hearing your word and walking in obedience of your word, Father, show us this morning, search us and know us and show us any evil way about us, O God so that we may hear and obey. We may follow your will. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory, for it's in your name. The name above all names, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us today, whether you're in the room or online. Uh, We are going to remember today as Palm Sunday. The crowd shouted something. They said, Hosanna, which means God save us. We pray. Let's stand and echo the song this morning that praise is rising. Amen. Praise is rising. Eyes are turning to you. Amen. We turn to you. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Amen. Washed away. Sing it out. Hosanna. Hosanna. You are the God who saves us. You're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna. Hosanna. 
when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away, washed away. as we have uh, our special guest this morning. Our Luke 418 kids are going to sing for us today, and it glues in right with that message of, of God saving us. Anytime that we call on His name, He is right there beside us. And so we're going to have our children's director, Miss Melanie, uh, talk about what they've been learning about, get them all ready to go, and then they will sing for us this morning. Would you welcome them this morning? Go ahead and welcome them. Good morning. We are excited to be here. It has been uh, quite a weekend for our 418 kids. We started off Friday night with a flashlight scavenger hunt, and the kids participated in that by finding clues that they had to use to complete the resurrection story. And so we had a lot of fun, but the important thing is learning uh, not just what, but who this week is all about. And so we, we had a lot of fun Friday night. And then this morning we had pray stations. We had parents come in and go through five stations, um, praying with their kids and talking about prayer. And so here we are. We are excited now to be able to sing for you. You will be saved. Romans ten nine. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9.
students of third through fifth graders, you can meet us in front of the playground. And our K through second graders, let's get to the playground. All right, let's give them one more round of applause. Didn't they do a great job? And I'll tell you this about our, uh, our kids' ministry. They are being taught the Word of God. Amen? They just sang it. They just sang about it. I was talking with Miss Melanie about the, the song and just everything to deal with uh, what they would do and what they would say. And, and she said, I want them to know. I want them to know who their God is. And I want them to let them know that I love each and every single one of those, those kiddos. And it, and it shows with the way that they sing and the way that they smile. But these are the moments that they're going to hold on to. This life is a journey. It is a, a path, and sometimes it's a hard path to take. But we have these moments to look back on and say that my God is going to save me and deliver me from all fear. He gives us the victory. Let's stand together and sing. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. The battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? Nobody. For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress. Sing it out. You go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power. Sing it one more time. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against
together the battle belongs to the Lord and he gives us victory and he is the thing that we can put all of our trust in let goods and kindred go this mortal life our whole life also the body they may kill God's truth abideth still we're supposed to be taking up that cross daily and walking with him abiding in him learning to to become more like him and one day we will see him face to face but until we do, we're called together as, a, as believers to remember the cross. Remember what Jesus did for us. So we're going to end our time today by singing two cross songs and remembering the sacrifice of our Savior. Let's sing together. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign
Father, we thank you so much for the cross. We thank you for the blood that has been applied to each and every person's life that chooses you. We pray that we would ever be in wonder, ever be in awe in the the hope that we found. A living hope that carries with it an inheritance that cannot be taken away. Lord, we pray that we would do your will. That we would abide in you and grow in you daily, Lord. That we would go in you to all the world we get to know you better each and every day that we would do that together and not apart because we're better together the body of Christ Lord we pray that we would live up to that high calling Lord not in our own strength but in the righteousness that you give we lay down those things that would separate us from you today especially now when you lay down every single thing for us on a hill far away scorned mocked by the very ones that needed you the most. Lord, we pray that even today, one would turn their eyes to you and see that you are the Savior. Amen.
was told that uh, we have ran just a, sh- a little bit short on uh, communion, and so uh, Brother Randy has gone to get some more, and if somebody needs to be served communion towards the end, we will do that. The blessing is, is that we had 35 or 40 more than our average attendance, so uh, obviously we praise God for, for that. You know, last week we began to talk about how the cross is offensive to this world. We discussed how the cross confronts our sin. The fact that we are sinful. We talked about how the cross confronts the fact that we have a penalty for that sin that can only be paid for through a perfect sacrifice. And we saw that the cross confronts all other religions. Because there is no reason that Jesus needed to die on the cross if there was other ways for somebody to get to heaven. As Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today we're going to continue on this theme of the cross and we're going to see how the cross is essential to our salvation. Now you may get ahead of me and say, well David, so is the resurrection. Yeah, we're going to get there next week. But today we're going to look at at the cross. But really we're going to look at the practical side that Jesus tells us that we must pick up our cross and follow him. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 27 through 38. Now as we look at this passage, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of an understanding here. Jesus and his disciples had gone off to Caesarea Philippi. Those who have gone with me to Israel, you'll remember Caesarea Philippi, one of my favorite places in the northern part of Israel, where Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And in that moment, Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says to him that you did not reveal that to yourself. The Father revealed that to you. And then he gives that that statement that is so powerful even today. He says that Peter, upon this rock, this confession of Me being the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, just a few weeks back, Dr. Jason Allen preached on this passage in Matthew 16. If you weren't here, I would suggest you go and get that message. It's online. You can hear as he entitled the church triumphant. We saw that Jesus will build his church and that hell cannot stop the power of God. Let me just repeat that. Because we live in a difficult day. We see on the news all that's happening across our world. And many people can say, where is God? Let me tell you, hell cannot stop the power of our God. But then we pick up in verse 27 of Mark 8. It says, Jesus went out along with the disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. Let me jump on over to verse 31. And he began to teach them... That the Son of Man must suffer many things and he be, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He was, and he was uh, stating the matter plainly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. 
But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests but man's. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and he said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we recognize today that only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we understand that which you are speaking to us. And so, Father, would you illuminate the pages today and may we hear and obey what you are speaking. For it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. I'm going to have to go and uh, get my eyes checked out. I couldn't see the Bible so far down. Somebody says that's what happens when you get older. I want to go back to verse 31. I want to look at something before we get to the practical three points that I have for today. In verse 31, it says, And he began to teach them just after he asked them, Who, who do you say that I am? He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer. Now, if you feel comfortable in your Bible writing things, I would circle the word must. It says that the Son of Man must suffer. He must die and he must raise again on the third day or rise again on the third day. Now, why does Jesus, why does it say he must do this? Now, first off, Jesus has not really spoken about this that often. He's actually said, my time has not come. My time has not come. And in a paradoxical uh, statement, his time comes, the hour comes, and it's the last hour when he is saying it is finished, right? It's this triumphal entry in this week that, that he is now being glorified and ultimately, though, he goes to the cross and he raises again, rises again on the third day. But why does it say that he must do this? Well, what did Jesus continually say his purpose was here on earth? Jesus said this in John six thirty eight. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Church, the reason that Jesus must suffer, must die, and raise again on the third day, rise again on the third day, is because he is called to follow the Father's will. It's the Father's will for Jesus to come and be the perfect sacrifice for you and for me. Jesus said, I have come to do my Father's will. He even said when they were trying to get him some food, he said, I have food, and that food is to do the will of my Father. Jesus also said that my purpose of coming, just continuing in on that, is Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to do what? To give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to do the Father's will. And the Father's will for Jesus was to lay down His life for you and for me. Peter says, I'm going to rebuke you. Now it's interesting that Jesus would rebuke, I mean, Peter would rebuke Jesus. I mean, when I read this and I read it over and over and I'm like, man, Peter, really? It's Jesus. I mean, all that you have seen in Jesus' life and how he has proclaimed that he is the Son of God. And even at his baptism, what did God the Father speak and say, this is my Son who I am well pleased. And Peter says, no, you're not going to suffer. No, you're not going to die. We're going to stop this from happening. Now, why did Jesus rebuke him? He rebuked him because Peter wanted Jesus to do something outside of the will of the Father. You know, it's interesting that Peter's, uh, temp the temptation here that Peter speaks into Jesus' life is, no, we want you to be glorified without the suffering. It's the same thing that we see in Matthew 4 when Jesus is tempted. And in the last temptation, what happens in Matthew 4, it says this, 
It says in Matthew 4, verse 8 through 10, Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus said to to Satan the same thing that he speaks to Peter. Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Church, the enemy, Satan, was speaking to Jesus and saying, Listen, you won't have to suffer if you do it my way. There'll be no suffering. If you'll just bow, then I will give you all this stuff of the world and you can have that glory without the suffering. And Jesus says, go Satan. And then he says this profound word as he speaks it from, the Deut- from Deuteronomy. He says, you shall worship the Lord and worship him only, serve him only. Jesus is saying, I'm here to do the Father's will and His will only. I'm not going any other path. Then we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, as He clings in prayer, crying out to God, and He says, if there's any way, let this cup pass, but not my will, but your will be done. Church, we must recognize that the reason that Peter is rebuked here is because he is trying to to bring Jesus to a place of glorification without the suffering. By thinking of his way instead of God's perfect way. And you know what's interesting? Just a few days later, Peter does the same thing in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember when they come and and Judas betrays him with a kiss and they go to to get Jesus and he pulls out his sword and and he swipes the guy and he cuts his ear off. Now, I don't know about y'all. But if I'm sitting there going to arrest a guy and my ear gets cut off and he picks the ear up and puts it back on, I would be like, wait, hold up. But what does Jesus say to Peter in that moment? He said, are you attempting to stop me from drinking the cup that my father has given me? Specifically in Luke 22, verse 42, it says, I mean, excuse me, it was John 18, but I'll give you that scripture later. But he speaks and he says, he says, are you trying to keep me from drinking the cup that my father has given me? Church, we see here that the reason that Jesus rebukes Peter is because Peter is attempting to remove from him or keep him from doing the will of of the Father. So what was the will of the Father? We talked about this. It was him laying down his life for you and for me. We see all throughout the the Gospels, all throughout the Epistles, all throughout Revelation, this understanding of the cross. You know what we hear about more than the virgin birth? What we hear about more than Jesus being raised from the dead is the cross. Jesus speaks of this in in John 10 when he says that I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. He also says uh, to, to do, there's two ordinances that we're called to do, right? One is baptism and the other one we're going to do today with the Lord's Supper. And both of them are talking about what? The death of Christ. In baptism, buried in death and in Christ and raised to walk in the newness of life. What does he say in uh, 1 Corinthians 11? As often as you eat and as often as you drink of this, remember my what? Death. See, we, we see throughout this scripture that the cross is essential to the salvation and it's God's will for, for Jesus to come and to die for you and for me. And then we see in the book of Revelation over 20 times Jesus is referenced to as the Lamb. Over 20 times he's referenced to as the Lamb that was slain. In Revelation 5, let me just read a little bit of this to you. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seen uh, seven horns, seven eyes, which are the Spirit of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. 
When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before who? The lamb, each one holding a harp, a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a song, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were what? slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. Church, we see in here that the reason that Jesus rebukes Peter in this moment is he says, my father's will is for me to suffer, die, and to rise again on the third day so that you can be saved from the enemy, so that you can be set free. And he said, get behind me, Satan, for I am going to do the Father's will. Jesus, after speaking this, and, and we see the fact that he talks of the cross over and over all throughout the scripture, and that it's through the cross that the blood was applied so that we could be set free. We talked last week that, that the wages of sin is death. And that Jesus came and paid that debt that we deserve. We deserve eternal spiritual death in hell. But Jesus paid for it on the cross so that we could be saved. Jesus then goes into verse 34 that I want to look at and give you three very quick points. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and he said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The first thing that we see in this is that we are called to deny ourselves. We're called to deny ourselves. Now, let me just remind you this is after Jesus saying, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and praise God, he's going to rise again on the third day. And then he says to them, But if you want to come after me, you're going to have to deny yourself. I'm reminded of Luke 14, 25-33. In this passage, we label it, count the cost. It says this, Now, a large crowd were going along with him, and he turned aside and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother, wife and child, and brother and sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now many people will say, David, I don't understand. Hate your father, hate your mother. It is him speaking and saying that if you value anything in life, even a relationship with your mother or your father more than him, then you're not a disciple of Christ. And then he goes into this uh, understanding. He gives us parable. He says, for which one of you wants to build a tower does not first and sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe him will ridicule him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. And he says again, well, what if a king goes out to war and doesn't go to sea and, and, and count the cost of what it's going to take to defeat the, the, the people they're going against? And if you can't defeat them, then you go and say, let's have a treaty. What Jesus is speaking here and what is being spoken is that we are called to count the cost. And church, let me tell you, the cost of following Jesus is denying ourself. Your plans, your thoughts, your opinions... All of these things, Jesus is saying that he has to be number one in your life. You say, but I have good plans, David. Yeah, but God has better plans for you. You say, but David, I, I'm able to, I, I built this empire. Yeah, but that empire is going to fall, but Jesus will not. We must deny everything for Christ. And what's interesting is though we feel like in this world we have a lot to offer, really before Jesus all we have is filthy rags. We think, well, I've got all this that I've built up and, and I'm going to have to lay all this down? Whoa, I, I don't get this. And, and, and Jesus is saying, yeah, but really before holy God all you have is filthy rags. I believe it was John Stott who said, the only thing that we bring to salvation is the sin that has cost us our relationship with Jesus. 
You know, Paul also says in Philippians 3, many of you know this, that he counts all things as lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. He says, I count it not just as lost, but as garbage. And then he says at the end of this in verse 11, and he said, so that I may be conformed to his death in order that I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Church, are we willing to deny ourselves and lay that down before God? Now let me just tell you, God may allow us to use certain things in our life for his glory and for his kingdom, but let me tell you, God's number one. Anything in our life that takes priority over God is an idol, something that we have not denied. Psalm 24 that I prayed earlier that has been on my heart so much lately. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord but he who has clean hands and a pure heart? He who does not lift up his soul to what? An idol or swear by what is false. We cannot ascend the hill of the Lord when we are placing other things before God. Count the cost. The second thing that we see quickly is is that we're called to take up our cross. Take up your cross. It says this, it says, and take up his cross and follow me. Now let me just be very clear. Today we look at the cross. We've beautified it in our world. People, we wear it. We wear cross necklaces, all these different things. Some of you may have them on today. And today when we look at the cross, we think of God's grace. We think of his mercy. We think of his love, his agape, unconditional love. But when Jesus was speaking this, the cross represented one thing, death. Death. If you saw somebody carrying a cross or the cross beam, they were going and headed to what? Death. When Jesus says you are to take up your cross, cross he means one thing you're called to die to self you're called to die to self in luke 9 we see these people three different people who jesus says come and follow me in luke 9 57 he says as they were going on the road someone said to him i will follow you wherever you go and jesus said the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head He said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. And he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as you go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Denying yourself... And the taking up of your cross fits together. Because the uh, putting ourselves on the cross, taking up our cross, what is being spoken here is that we must recognize that there is a daily crucifying of the self. These people said, I'll follow you, but under my own conditions. Jesus said, no, you deny yourself and you pick up the cross. Now, there was a story told one time that this guy was carrying a cross. He he had gotten the cross, and he said, I'm going to carry this for Jesus, and he carried it. And he said, man, this is heavy. I can't do this. And so he went to uh, somebody who was a woodworker, and he said, hey, listen, will you kind of cut some of this so that it won't be so hard? You know, people are ridiculing me because I'm carrying this cross. People are saying things, you know, all this stuff. And so what, what did the guy do? He cut the cross way down, and then he was like, man, this is easy. I got this. But then he got to a canyon that he couldn't cross. And it's just so interesting that the cross, the part that if he would have laid it down like this, he could have crossed the canyon, but the part that he was missing kept him from being able to cross the canyon. Church, do we not do that sometimes? We say, I I, I just, you know, the cross, I mean, carrying the cross, crucifying self, that's painful. I think of John 15, Jesus is the vine, but God, the Father, is the vine dresser, and he says that he prunes. Pruning is painful. And sometimes we say this is just too painful, and the reason it's painful is because we're trying to carry the cross in our own strength and our own power. 
What we must do is abide daily, dwell in Christ. And when we do that, we will see the daily crucifying of the flesh. As Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He says, I am crucifying my flesh. You say, David, I'm struggling to abide daily in Christ. I'm struggling to dwell. I'm telling you, you must discipline yourself to place yourself on that cross, to crucify yourself daily. It says, I crucify the flesh. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And then later on in Galatians 5, speaking of the fruit of the Spirit, just after that in Galatians 5, 24, It says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Church, are we laying down ourself? Remember, Jesus said that the Son of Man must suffer. He'll die. And praise God, three days later, he'll raise again. He'll rise from the dead. And then he says to you, he says to me, he says, now you must, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. You must crucify the flesh. And then he says this last thing, he says, and follow me. This is uh, a statement that kind of goes back to uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. What did he say to the disciples? Follow me, right? And what did they do? They dropped everything and followed him. Kind of like what we just saw. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow, right? But here's what I want us to see as we kind of close this, and then we're going to take of the Lord's Supper. But what did Jesus do? What was he doing on this earth? We talked about this at the beginning of our time together. He was doing the Father's will. The whole reason That he rebuked Peter's because Peter wanted him to go and, and, and do something different than the Father's will. You're thinking of man's way instead of God's way. So if we're gonna truly follow Jesus, we deny ourselves, we crucify the flesh, and we say we're gonna follow him. To follow Jesus is to do as Jesus does. To follow Jesus means that we say we're going to do the will of the Father. Was Jesus willing to do the will of the Father even when it called for suffering? Absolutely. Was Jesus willing to do the will of the Father even when it called for death, and not just death, but a painful, humiliating death upon a cross? Yeah, he was. That's the reason why when Aaron sings that song just a few minutes ago, and it says that even if man kills me, God's word still abideth. His word is still true. Church, if we have not laid down and denied and crucified our flesh, then when death comes knocking on our door because we are proclaiming the gospel, or when suffering comes knocking on our door because we are standing true for the word of God, let me tell you what will happen. We'll turn and run. Because you never truly denied the self. If you want to truly follow Jesus, then that means you've denied yourself, you've crucified yourself, uh, you've picked up your cross, and you're crucifying your flesh daily, and you want to do the Father's will. Can I very quickly tell you what the Father's will is for our life? It's to bring glory to His name in all things. First, in salvation. Church, can you save yourself? No. So when we, have, when we walk in salvation, putting our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ, as the little kids just sang, I know some of you parents were like me, oh no, I hope that they act uh, uh, right. But in salvation, it is through Jesus who died on the cross that took our pain, our suffering, our penalty of sin upon the cross and conquering death, hell, and the grave three days later by rising again. When we walk in salvation, put our trust, our hope in Jesus Christ, let me tell you, God the Father is glorified. 
Then there's sanctification. Church, us growing in Christ daily, we can't do that. John 15, 5, apart from Him, we can do nothing. As we abide and dwell and the fruit of the Spirit comes forth from our life, do you know what happens? God is glorified. And as we breathe our last, being faithful to the end, and we stand before the throne of God, guess who's glorified? God the Father. Why? Because His Son's blood is upon each of us. And He says, come in my good and faithful servant, not because of how we acted, not because of what we did, but because of Jesus, His Son. So church, You want to know what it means to follow Christ? It's what we say here at Luke 4.18. You know Him intimately, you grow in Him daily, and you follow the commands and go in Christ throughout the world. Are you denying yourself, laying down your uh, picking up your cross and following God the Father, following Jesus by following the will of the Father? Here in just a moment, we're going to take of the Lord's Supper. I remind you that the ordinances that we are called to follow, baptism and the Lord's Supper, are both a reminder of the death of Christ. The reason that I teach this message before we take of communion today is because Jesus suffered. Jesus died on the cross. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which is poured out for you in the sign of the new covenant. He did all of that for you. The question today, will you deny yourself? Pick up your cross and follow him. See, when we take of this, as many of you know, that that cup that was a sign of of a marriage covenant... And Jesus said, yes, in the garden. He said, not my will, but your will. If there's any way this cup can pass, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And so he took that cup, that cup that was filled, what I believe, with the wrath of God that we deserve, and he drank that for us. And he gives to us and tells us to remember his death and what he did. And as we take of communion, we're saying... I give you my life. God, I give you my life. It's yours. I'm denying myself and I'm picking up the cross and I'm following you. And I'm going to remember that the only way that I can do that is by the blood of Jesus that was poured out upon the cross. Jesus even said in John 6, 54 through 56, He said that he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. He said, I will raise them up or him up on the last day. For my flesh is the true food and the blood is the true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. We're going to take a moment to ask the Lord to search us before we take of this communion. Are you abiding in Christ? Are there areas of your life that you have not crucified? Psalm 139, one of my favorite passages says, search me and know me and show me any evil way about me. Would you take time this morning as Miss Denise plays the piano, and we're going to have a time of, uh, really just a time of altar call. Maybe you want to come and just cry out to God and say, listen, there are areas of my life that I have not denied, that I am continuing to hold on to. I'm trying to cut the cross down a little bit to make it easier for me to carry, and instead I need to abide, I need to dwell, I need to lay my whole life down before the throne of God. Is there any area of your life that's not being crucified? any area of your flesh that you're holding on to, church, would you lay that down today? That's the power of the blood. That's the power of the resurrection. 
You may be saying, David, I have been trying to do things with my will. I thought following Jesus was just being a good person and doing uh, good in society. Let me tell you, following Jesus is following the will of God. And His will for our life is to proclaim His glory and to show His glory. It has nothing to do about us, church. It has everything to do about Jesus. You may be here today and say, David, I don't know Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'll be down front. Brother Randy will be down front. We would love to to pray with you. But take this time and ask the Lord to search you. The Scripture says that when you bring something to the altar, if you know of something in your life, a debt against somebody or somebody that you're frustrated with or something that's going on in your life. It says, leave that there and go make that right. I'll never forget as a student in youth ministry, Jack Hester, who I dearly love, probably preaching right now across Mobile, said, you know, it'd be better for you to step up and go make a phone call and deal with that. And man, all of us students, we were getting up making phone calls. We weren't allowed to have phones at camp, but we had phones at that moment. It says, after you made that right, then come back and take. Offer that sacrifice. Church, let's be very honest before the Lord. He already knows our heart. He knows it better than we do. So let's let him search us and know us at this time. Brother Randy and I will be down front. You can stay seated and pray or the altar's open. And we'd love to pray with you during this time. But we'll take just a moment and then I'll lead us in taking of communion. Sing When I Survey. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory redied my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride and see from his head his hands his feet sorrow and love such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown oh the wonderful cross oh the wonderful cross Bids me come and die and find that I may truly live. Oh, the wonderful cross, oh, the wonderful cross, all who gather here by grace drawn here and bless your name. We bless your 